Hi there, this is Terry, and welcome to another episode of the Animation Industry Podcast. I think this chat is particularly important because the media and just our culture in general glorifies stories of success without focusing on the journey to get there or even how many others are pursuing their dreams with difficulties. What are their stories like? How tough is it really to get into the industry? Is it all about who you know? How much luck is involved in landing your dream job? These are questions I think about all the time, especially since I'm on my own path and interviewing people in this podcast who are already in the industry. So in this chat, I'm switching things up a little bit and talking with Aaron Hazuri, who I met on Reddit after he posted a post titled, moved to LA four years ago to pursue storyboarding, now pushing 40, I'm done. In that post, he shares how he decided to change his life around, pack up everything, quit his job, and move to LA to pursue a role as a professional storyboard artist. And already, Aaron seemed to have everything going for him. He was working as an art teacher and finding success as a freelance illustrator and comic artist. Plus, he'd grown a following for his own comic called The Strange Adventures of Toaster Guy, which is about a lovable loser with the power to toast breakfast pastries in his head as he teams up with a shiftless ninja to fight crime. But after years of taking classes, working with industry mentors, networking, applying to jobs, taking storyboard tests, you name it, he wasn't able to land his dream role. Finally, he reached a point where he decided to take what he learned and get his life back on track in a different way. And that's why I asked him to come on this chat and share everything because he really has learned a lot about what it really takes. So if you are wondering what it takes to become a storyboard artist in LA or just get into the industry in general, this is a really unique opportunity to hear firsthand how tough it can be, what you'll have to sacrifice, what your odds really are, and what you'll have to do to pursue it seriously. But before I get into this chat with Aaron, I have a sponsored message to share with you. It comes from my friends over at Bloop Animation, which is an animation learning platform packed with premium online video courses for aspiring animation filmmakers. They have courses for all major animation programs like Maya, Animate CC, Toon Boom, Blender, TV Paint, and many others, as well as some non-software courses like a storyboarding course, animation foundations course, and even one about making graphic novels, which covers absolutely everything you want to know from start to finish. Their courses are all in video form, so there's no deadlines or application process. You simply just pick a course and start learning in seconds. They even offer a free ebook titled Making an Animated Short, which covers their entire process, step-by-step of how they made one of their films, from coming up with the idea, to storyboarding, animation, and all the way to exporting the film. And you can get that book for free at bloopanimation.com slash animation industry, or you can check out their complete course library at bloopanimation.com slash courses. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into the chat. Hello, hello, Aaron. Thanks for coming on the chat. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, doing fantastic. Good. Um, I'm really interested in your story because I first read a comment or a post you made on Reddit about how you had tried really hard to become a storyboard artist in LA, I believe. And after a few years of, you know, you moved there, you, you quit your job, uh, you, you tried your best, you took some courses, et cetera, you decided that you were gonna stop um, so I want to, I want to, I guess, um, most people I have on this chat are in the industry and, right. you know, we talk about their journey of getting into the role that they wanted. And so I think it's going to be super interesting to learn about how you attempted to get into the role you wanted and then decided to stop pursuing that. So can we talk about why you decided that storyboarding wouldn't be for you in the first place? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll go back a little bit and talk about, um, when I decided to get into it, which was probably about five years ago, um, I, um, I was a school teacher and just thought, you know, I'd done some comic book work and thought, you know, storyboarding looks like a cool job. What were, what were, you, teaching? were you teaching? art? I was teaching art, yes, okay. to uh, elementary school kids. And after like a series of, you know, weird jobs and careers. And so um, I really wanted to get out of Florida. And we just picked um, California because I thought that'd be cool. And I would like to be a storyboard artist. I think I could do it. Um, and so from there, I guess it was 2015, I took my first online class, which was Sherm Cohen's um, Storyboard Secrets, I think it's called. And it's like a series of, um, I think he sends out like 10 DVDs, but all of the classes are online. And um, so I took that class. Moved out to LA in 2016 and did the um, what is it called the uh, CTN Expo, the big car, the big uh, networking expo here in Burbank, and um, uh, met a few people, and almost right away started talking to someone from Nickelodeon, 
um, and somebody over at Fox and a couple of other folks. And so it felt like things were moving quickly for me. So I took some more classes at the Animation Guild. Um, and as fast as things feel like they're moving, they can stop like that. And they did stop. They kind of went nowhere. Um, and so I took some more classes, um, had some tests at uh, three or four different studios. And, you know, the feedback was always different. And sometimes it was really disheartening. And there was a point where I was getting feedback and felt like, gosh, this is some feedback that I've been getting since the beginning. Maybe I'm not at a point where there's time for me to devote to getting as good as I need to be to get this job. And there's also not time for my career to grow where I would like it to grow. And there's just too many other things I would like to do and too many compromises, I guess, I'd have to make to keep doing this. So I just kind of decided I, I don't think this is going to happen for me. So you, so you kind of, you saw the writing on the wall and the writing said, you're going to have to take a lot of time to develop this craft. And then you said, I think so. Yeah. It's too much time. It's just like, like there's feedback you'll get that is fixable. And then there's some feedback where you're like, gosh, I don't know how to fix that. Like, it was a like guy, what's an uh, example of feedback that you can't fix? Well, I'll give you two feedbacks. One that I got was about um, confusing like setups or layouts or whatever you want to call them, just clarity. And that you can fix. But one was, it was a guy from Disney, as a matter of fact, and he was telling me that my work didn't have any charm or appeal. And that's a tough thing to hear. And it's an even tougher thing to try to fix. Because you're like, how do I fix Could you be how more specific? That? Like, how do you add charm? Yeah, like, what do you mean? Uh, but that was, his, you know, you just don't have, uh, there's not that charm or appeal to your work. And that, oh gosh, I don't know how to fix that. That's like, I don't know how you learn that or how you, I guess you can learn it. But there's a point where you've been drawing for a long time and it's tough to maybe break habits you already have and try to relearn things from the ground up. And it can be done, but I feel like it takes more time than maybe I'm able to devote to it, I guess. Man, if I got that feedback on my work, I'd feel so disheartened. Like, how did you feel? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And it's tougher because, I mean, I mean my, you know, it, there's a point where you're at a certain age. And when somebody's looking at your work that's, I don't know, six, seven, 10 years younger than you are, you're like, wow, that's hard to hear from somebody who's, that much younger than I am and that much further along than I am. You know? Yeah, well, that's actually something that I have kind of personally struggled with because I'm going to be turning 32 this year and I only started my journey about two years ago. And that's, I mean, going to Sheridan College where you're surrounded by like 19, 20 year olds who are <laughs> yeah. like 10 times your talent is, is yeah, well, a challenge in its own, but everybody starts at a different pace. So they do. And yeah. I have met older guys and girls and I've met, um, people that are very skilled and very talented that didn't start until they were older than I am. And they kind of hit the ground running. I think the difference is they were already at a higher skill level hmm. than, than maybe where I am and um, didn't have as much. Maybe they weren't married. Maybe they didn't have any, um, anything really except the desire to do this and a passion for it. And so they could get three or four roommates and, you know, kind of work an odd job and really devote themselves to this craft that may be what you have to do and maybe that's on me for not being able or willing to just give it everything because you know I, I like I like to do <laughs> other stuff I guess I don't want to sit at home and draw all the time I like to get out and I like to go do other things and um, and just not devote 24 hours a day seven days a week to trying to get better maybe you'd have to maybe you have to have more fire than I do I don't know Maybe. Well, maybe I, I, you, you mentioned so many things that I want to unpack. Um, I, yeah. I let, let's go back a little bit. So you're working as an elementary school teacher um, and you're teaching art. And at some point you say, I want to become a storyboard artist um, for TV shows. What, why did you, where did that come from? Well, I was, you know, as a kid, I always wanted to do comics and there's not really any, way to make a real living in comics and like you're very very good one of the top people otherwise you're doing comics and, and you know children's books and commercial art and stuff like that and i went to college for graphic design thinking i could turn that into something um so i took graphic design classes but it wasn't a very good school it was it was in jacksonville florida and um professors were all like we were learning how to like mount things with rubber cement and stuff like that that is not even a 
such a useless skill now. Even then it was useless. Like nobody was, I don't know. But so that's what they were teaching us and, you know, how to make lightning in Photoshop and stuff like that. It was just so, so useless. So I got a real job after college. It was not art related at all, but I had always still wanted to do comics and um, was kind of getting into other, um, like reading about other art jobs that were out there um, other than just, you know, the stuff like character design and, and things like that that everybody knows about. Storyboarding isn't as well known, I don't think, outside of the industry. Yeah. And so um, I had my career after college, which I did for like nine years, um, and did comics on the side towards the end of it. And then at some point I decided I just can't do this job anymore. It's awful. It's, it's just awful. I had a cubicle and, you know, I was putting on weight and just wasn't happy. I wanted to be, my dad's an artist, so I wanted to be a, an artist. Um, like him because it seemed cool. You get to do what you want and, you know, you don't have a real boss. So I did the comic book. And I quit my job, not to do comics. I just figured I'll do freelance art. I had done some logo design and stuff. So I did freelance art for a little while. And then from there, I got into teaching um, somehow. I'm still not sure quite how I ended up teaching elementary school. I don't know how I got my number, but, but I, I got a job teaching elementary school art. And I did that for like three years. And it was towards the end of the third year that I had to decide if I was going to get a permanent certification to teach art forever in Florida or if I was going to do something else. And I just decided, well, you know, I think I'm going to, I think I can do this. I'm going to try this because I think I can make it as a professional storyboard artist. I met um, Bob Camp at a show in Tampa and he kind of gave me some pointers and some advice. Um, and I showed him my stuff. I had a, the comic book I'd done. And he said, yeah, this is, this is good stuff. Here's what you should do. So I took the classes he recommended and, um, Sherm Cohen and Bob Kemp both at that time had said you can't really do it from outside of where the industry is based. It's a little different now, but it's still, it's tough to get jobs just based on your work online unless you're very, very, very good because they're going to hire people they already know um, and they're going to hire people who are in front of them who they can talk to before they're going to go just looking online for random people yeah. to hire for storyboard jobs. So I moved out here, uh, sold the house, moved out here and, um, just started chasing and I got a regular job out here and um, yeah. So it's a, it sounds like you kind of had a little bit of a dream where you wanted to get back to your comic book roots and saw storyboarding as that. And then, yeah. yeah. The storyboarding is like the most fun part of comics. Comics are, you know, you have to figure out the rough layout and then the penciling and then the inking and the, and the rest of it, everything after the penciling part to me is like pure drudgery. Right, not, it's just work. Right. It's like inking and coloring and all that. Yeah, stuff. that's just oh god, Scanning. I'm colorblind anyway, so the coloring was just brutal. So the fun part was figuring out how to set everything up, and that's kind of what storyboarding is. You're figuring out how to tell the story. You're not spending yeah. a whole lot of time, you know. Yeah, no, it sounds like a perfect fit. So you yeah. you went and sought advice, and you got some good advice. You had you got like all this confidence to you know, make the big move. And it sounds like on paper, you're doing everything right. You know, you went to CTN, yeah. you met a yeah. bunch of people, you were networking, you were taking courses. Um, so you also said it all stopped. So, and, and you got a job there. So I'm, I'm just trying to like paint a picture of you're living in LA. Um, mm. I'm assuming you're, you may be downgraded or something to, <laughs> to make ends meet for a while. Well, a little bit. I mean, that's the other thing. Like there's so many things that go into whether or not this is a good idea for somebody in their 30s. Like if you're used to a certain standard of living from, say, Jacksonville, Florida, you're not going to get that out here unless you pay a lot of money for that standard of living. Like it's Give it up happen. is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like we had a big, gosh, four-bedroom house in Florida, and for double what we paid there monthly, we're getting a quarter of the space. Wow. Yeah. Which is fine, you know, um, but there's just, you know, you, do you want to be 40 years old and have roommates? It's, it's a tough call. Some people it's fine, but if you're like me and you haven't had a roommate situation since college, you're not really keen on going back to it, you know? Right. Um, and um, when you get out here, unless you can get a job right away, you might have to do something that you wouldn't normally do. Like, for example, I went into, um, I needed something because we hadn't sold a house yet. So we had the house and the rent out here that we were paying. And I needed a job. So I lied my way into um, a donut shop that was opening up out here. 
What did you, you tell have them? to do stuff like that to, you know, to hustle, to make it. So I was doing freelance art and I lied my way into a donut shop. I, yeah, I had a bakery or whatever. I just, you know. They didn't do a reference check, I guess, on that bakery you had. Well, I told them I owned a bakery. So, so, so they're like, oh, you can make donuts. Wait, so like I, I also, I worked at Tim Hortons, if you know what that is, way back in the yeah, day. Yeah, of course. And yeah. you, just, you just take the frozen donuts out of the freezer and you heat them up and that's basically. I wish it was that easy. It was like, it was, I don't know if you've heard of Voodoo Donut. No, I haven't, but it sounds. The Voodoo Donut was a big like boutique donut shop in Portland, in, uh, Portland, Oregon. And they were opening a branch out at Universal Studios. So I went in and just lied my ass off about, about like my experience making donuts and this and that. And so they hired me based on that. Hopefully none of them will hear this, but uh, I don't work there anymore. So it's fine. But yeah. Hopefully you did okay there. And we're just. Oh yeah. I, did, I mean, I worked my way to like management, um, but oh, nice. you have to um, really just be able to hit the ground running and hustle like that. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the hustle that you did when you were there. Sure, so yeah. you, you, you moved, you got a part-time or a full-time job or whatnot to pay right. the bills. You're going, right. you're networking. Are you storyboarding every single day? Are you like, I am, I started um, with the shrimp cone class. I'd done some samples. And then by yeah. the time I got out of here and started talking to people, the samples were not what they needed to be. So I did um, a couple of local comic book shows to try to make some connections or whatever. I set up a table, sold my stuff, but also was just trying to meet people. And I met a couple of people there and got some freelance work out of it, which helped me kind of build up my portfolio. Mm-hmm. And the freelance work, every artist that you talk to will tell you that every freelance client thinks their thing is going to be the next big, like whatever. So I had a bunch of freelance work that was like, yeah, it's going to blow up. We just need some sample boards so we can sell it to a producer or whatever. And it never goes anywhere, yeah. ever. But luckily they pay you for it if you're smart. Um, you make them pay you for it before, you know, don't take a piece of it because a piece of nothing is nothing. So I did some uh, some freelance storyboard work for very small clients um, and used that as portfolio pieces to get me interviews at um, the CTN Expo. And I got a few interviews there and made some contacts with recruiters, but um, the recruiters leave or, you know, move on. And they don't necessarily move on within the industry, so they don't necessarily take you with them. Like they may leave Nickelodeon oh, or Sony or whatever and go somewhere else, and your contact is gone now. And so you got to try to make another contact, but that's a very tough thing to do from outside when you're like, let's say there's a networking event, right? There's these mixers that they do. So you go to a mixer with some buddies, but it's very difficult to organically meet people in the industry if you're from completely outside of it, you know, because they know. Everyone there is there either because they're already in this industry or they want a job. And people that have a job don't necessarily want to get hit up for work by strangers at a mixer, you know? So I've met some people that, that are in the industry and um, kind of had them pushing for things for me from behind the scenes, but it just it was the same thing. It just never went um, anywhere other than this. Your stuff is, is not bad, but you need to work on this, 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 and this. So, so would you just take that and go home every night and redo stuff and try new things? I would that? redo some things, but then you would talk to other people that are older and they're like, that doesn't make any sense. That feedback is terrible. The stuff looks fine. You're going to get work. You just have to keep pushing. Gosh. So well, you're getting like competing um, voices telling you what's Yeah. Going. And you know, a couple of folks that are higher up in the industry that are supervisors or directors would tell me, you know, once the job is posted online, that job's probably already been filled. Yeah. They have to post it online because of the guild rules, but once it's posted publicly, it's almost already got somebody that's going to take that job. So if you're applying for it based on the website, you may be doing nothing except building yourself up for a job that's already been given to someone that you're just kind of hoping against any rational hope that maybe they'll see my stuff and maybe they'll. Uh, so so you yeah. So you said like you go to with your buddies and you were taking courses. Were you seeing other people that were kind of in your same boat getting picked up by studios and getting? I jobs? saw a couple of people that ended up with jobs. Uh, most of I would say almost all of them was just a fluke, you know? Yeah. Like, so like, what's an example of a fluke that happens? Well, like they would be like at, um, an event that was specifically for like, what was one? I think one was someone that was at a black women in animation event. And so she got a job as a black woman in animation at a black women in animation event. I'm not going to get that job. So, right. you know, I was going to other networking events that were like, um, just generic networking events that is, um, a lot tougher to meet anybody that's looking to hire someone because a lot of those events are just general mixers. So um, I would see people that 
met somebody somewhere that happened to know of an opening that day and got them in and, and they landed the job, like on BoJack Horseman or something. But how did that feel when you when you saw that happening? You know how it feels. It just feels like, oh God, okay. Oh. <laughs> so so in your mind when you f- you first got off the boat and were in LA, so to speak. Right. In your mind, right. how what was the timeline you were thinking of? Because well, I was you know, thinking like maybe a year. Maybe a and year. Because I was gonna I was. That, we got a place in Burbank, like right across from Warner Brothers actually. Because I'm thinking, yeah, yeah I got to be placed to where I'll be. I got to be close to where I'll be working. I don't want to have to go far. Oh my gosh, the, yeah. the height of arrogance. Um, and you know, my wife was she's a huge supporter. She's like, yeah, of course, we need to be right where all the action is, like down the street from the animation guild. So, so yeah, that's where we are. So we're in the thick of it, just thinking that things would would be a lot. Easier than they because oh, I wanted to ask, for instance, like I chose to go to animation school, which is four years, and so yeah. uh, in my mind, I could either take online courses, uh, go to like do things on my own, I guess, in four years, and then get a job, or go the traditional route because I have the opportunity to go to school and get all the connections and and like the internships and stuff because that's part of the advantage of going to school. Did you consider yeah. going to school because that is a, I guess, that's also a, a I guess, I don't want to say proven, but you know, it's a pathway. It's, it's a pathway, but it's, as you know, it's expensive. Yeah. Well, it's um, even worse in the States. <laughs> yeah. It's much, it's much more expensive here. And the good schools here are very expensive. And I talked to a few directors, older guys, mostly who said, um, you know, you don't need to go to school. If you're good, you will get work. But I think maybe that was true 20 or 30 years ago to the extent yeah. that there weren't as many people in it. Um, and there weren't as many people, again, that knew what storyboarding was, I don't think, 20 or 30 years ago. Now that it's a thing and the internet has made everything blow up over the past 10 years, it's a lot harder to just be good and get work. Right. But I don't think school is necessarily um, a guarantee or a requirement, really. Um, but for me personally, it just wasn't worth the expense. Yeah. And I, I don't like school. I didn't like it when I was in it. <laughs> I just don't, I don't do well. I, so I don't really want to go back to college for another two or four years. It just isn't Fair enough. So tell me what you, what you did learn about storyboarding from taking all those courses and doing tests and getting advice and whatnot. What were maybe like the three major things you learned about how to make a good storyboard? Um, I think the first major thing is to prepare before you start boarding. You don't just want to jump in and board. You got to prepare before you start storyboarding. So like, Everyone I talked to that had any real experience would say, read the script, sit with the script for a while, reread it, and spend your first day really just figuring stuff out. Don't jump into your board yet. Just start figuring out what works, what doesn't. Um, Learn the characters. If it's a test, like I had a three-day test for something, and I spent the first day almost just learning the characters because you don't want to be boarding and trying to figure out how to draw something. It always shows in the board, and it never looks good. And if you've been doing it for a while, maybe that's fine. But if it's for your portfolio or for a, a test and there's 50 other people, any little uh, little thing that can elevate yours above the other ones is going to help. And so if they can tell you know the characters and the drawings are really solid, then that prep work will, will show up on the board. So I would say the first thing is to really prepare before you start drawing anything um, in your boards. And the second thing I would say is um, Brad Rader, who's an older artist and he's worked for like 40 years in the industry or something like that. And he said, um, it's really important to just do the work instead of waiting for like inspiration to strike. Cause he would wait to be inspired. He said early on and would end up like up against the deadline that last 24 to 48 hours would just, he would just be grinding, just doing yeah. it. Whereas if you do the work 70 to 80% of what you come up with will be pretty good. You might have 20% that's like, eh, you can kind of fix that towards the end. But just starting early instead of like a lot of us do, which is like, all right, I got to get this done. I'm going to drink coffee and do this in a weekend. Not the best way to do it. Just just power through it. And most of what you come up with will be pretty good. And the stuff that isn't, then use your crunch time to kind of finesse that stuff. But most of it will be pretty good and less hard on you um, if you will just do the work versus waiting to the very end and trying to wait till you're inspired. That makes a lot of sense to me. Plus at the very end when you're crunching 
if you're crunching anyways, you can put all those extra ideas and you've already done most of the work. Yeah, exactly. And I think the third thing was um, the importance, not just of deadlines, but of letting someone know when you think you're not going to make a deadline, like hmm. missing a deadline and not telling someone is much worse than missing a deadline, but three days before saying, Hey, or maybe two days before I need some more time on this because nine times out of 10, there's a little time in there available and it will work with you. If someone knows now, not for tests necessarily, but for some of the professional work that I've had, the, the smaller studios, um, you know, we need this by this day, but if you let them know, Hey, just a heads up, it's going to be a few more days because of whatever, that's fine. Um, just take those days. The biggest thing is to be in communication with whoever the client is. Um, that makes sense. I, I've heard that that's kind of across the board. Very seldom is it a hard, fast thing. If you let someone know ahead of time um, that the work may be a little late, they're going to be a lot more lenient with you than if it's the deadline and you don't have your stuff. Yet. I almost think that's like a scary lesson to learn because nobody wants to say they're going to be late, right? And then they you don't, are anyways, I mean, it's, it's worse. <laughs> it's, I would rather say, hey, just a heads up, um, I've taken a lot of work and it's going to be a couple extra days before this. They would rather hear that than um, <laughs> the deadline come and then be like, where's the stuff? Oh, I'm still working on it. Don't, don't ever do that. Let them know ahead of time. Because then also, if you're able to meet the deadline after all, it looks much better on you. Hey, I thought I was going to be late. Here it is. You know, it's, I wouldn't do that all the time. But okay, so what I'm taking from this is always say I'm going to be late and then deliver on time. Anyway. <laughs> no, look great. <laughs> nice. No, I, I like, I like uh, those pieces of advice. I think that's, that's each one is really smart. So I actually want to talk about these storyboard tests a little bit. Cause you've, how many have you ended up doing? Cause you were actively trying to get a job for what, four I, years? I think I've done four. I think I've done four of them over the course of the last four years. Um, and they've been different. So, sorry, so wait, about, let me just ask. Um, yeah, go ahead. So you did what? Is, is that a lot or a small amount? Like I've never tried to apply. Or I honestly don't know. Cause I know people yes. that have been out here for three or four years that haven't had any. And oh. then I know people that have had seven, eight tests over that same period. Wow. Um, so it's, for me, it seemed like a lot because they're not paid. That's the biggest yeah. thing to remember. They're not paid. So you got to do like 50 hours of work unpaid. <laughs> you have to do. Yes. It's all unpaid. And you may, if you have a regular job, like I did, um, you might get an email, hey, you want to test for this show? Great, we need to test in one week. So you got to call your boss and say, listen, um, I can't come in this week. And if your boss is okay, great. But I had a gig where I, the donut shop needed somebody to make donuts, and I couldn't just not go. So, so I'd be there 3.30 to 10.30 in the morning, um, come home, sleep for an hour, and then just grind away at storyboard. Oh, my gosh. And, um, the tests are like, um, let me think. The first big one I had was for Nickelodeon because I'd been working with a guy there and then he left, a recruiter, and he left. But they still had my info. So I got a test for, it was for the Loud House, which I'd never seen. I'd never seen the show. But I figured, all right, this is put in the door. Sure, I'll test for it. And I met with a buddy of mine who's been out here for several years and who worked at, um, at the time, I think he worked at DreamWorks. So he met with me to kind of go over the script and, and, help look at my breakdowns and just see if everything looks good and the test was for a week it needed to be in by that next friday um and they gave me a couple of character not i think maybe it was models but it might have just been a couple of just poses of the two main characters um and a script of like half a page and that was it and then and a background they gave me a background one background for this so they don't tell you, uh, tell the story in 50 panels or... No, there's no panel limit. It's just whatever you think. Oh, man, so that's that was one of the questions I had. When I, met, I know with my buddy, how many panels do you think this should be? And he said, it feels like 50 to 60. I said, all right, that's fine. 50 to 60 panels. That's what I'll go with. Um, and I read somewhere online, I have no idea how true this is, but that a panel on average should take you about 20 minutes. You should be able to do like three an hour three to four an hour, something like that. I don't know. I have no idea how true that is. But I, all I knew is I had a week and I didn't want to embarrass myself. So um, I learned the characters really well. And a lot of my freelance work is illustration work, like children's books and um, logo design and that kind of stuff. So I'm used to drawing very clean, very quickly. So I was um, wanting to get to the point where I could draw these characters really quickly and really cleanly. Um, 
And so that's what I did. I spent like the first day just drawing Lincoln Loud and whoever the girl was. I can't remember which one of his sisters it was. Um, and by day two, I kind of had the whole board roughed out and ready to start drawing it digitally. It's all got to be digital. And I think, I think all the tests I've done, one that's done in um, Storyboard Pro, Toons mm. Storyboard Pro, not, not Photoshop. So um, I had Storyboard Pro. I learned how to use it beforehand in one of the classes I took. So I knew that going in. I just kind of needed to draw the, the storyboards, the easy part, right? So I spent the next week just doing these boards, just just um, put m maybe more in there than I needed to. Sounds like you had like half a dozen people look time. at them, just, you know, directors, artists, hey, how do these look? Are they good? Are they? And um, I was pretty happy with them. I thought they looked good. And I sent them in and nothing for like a week. Two weeks. Oh no. And finally I emailed back and just said, Hey, just checking in. Yeah, sorry, we went with somebody else. Oh, okay. Um, well, can you guys let me know any feedback? Or and I still have the email. The, the guy goes, Sorry, man, I'm just a producer on the show. All I know is we sent out like 50 of these and just had to pick one. And I thought, oh my God, I really sweated over this. And I know the other people did too. And you guys just picked one person? Like, that's 50 weeks worth of work. Two years worth of work, basically. Yeah. For free. None of us got picked. And you just picked one of us. And didn't tell the rest of us why we didn't get picked up. Because I'm sure they just picked one that looked good. Mine, honestly, not to brag, looked really good. But well, I'm yeah, sure you got all this good, good feedback. You asked people who are in the industry to look at it. like. Yeah, and they've, you know, a couple of people said, um, Dave Klistek is who I've taken classes with. And Dave has worked for like 20, 30 years on like Batman Beyond and he worked for Marvel and I um, mean he do comic books before that. So he's been around a while and he looked at it and he said, these look great. There might be one or two things you could change, but that's all, you know, personal preference and they look great. I wouldn't change much, maybe a couple panels, but other than that, there's, there's nothing here that you need to fix necessarily. He said, it all looks good. So then you're like, okay, well, <laughs> why didn't they like them? Yeah, how do you pick yourself up after something like that? Like it's it's, well, it's almost I mean, worse it's like, to get right. no feedback than just it's to know. Like, okay, so these weren't bad. They just weren't over the top good. But I don't know that there's a way to make these over the top good. It might just be you have a one in fifty chance of getting it and you didn't get it because the odds are against you. One one thing that I've heard is that um, from other another storyboard artist is that you should try to storyboard for a show that you love. And do you think maybe somebody was like a big fan of Loud House and just got it? And they that, they, that could be it. That could absolutely be it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's no telling. It could be. My yeah, wife you don't know. Happened. There's no <laughs> When it happened, my wife was looking up the show and she said, you know, the guy who created this got fired. He got fired for, um, this is awful, but he got fired for some kind of sexual harassment. And she goes, you know, he's a bald white guy with a beard. <laughs> and I went, oh, no. That's why I didn't get it. Oh my goodness. Well <laughs> you didn't send in a picture of you on your, on your Well no, but I'm on my website and everything. So she said maybe you should start wearing a toupee or something. I don't know. Oh my gosh. I'm sure that wasn't it, to be completely honest. I'm sure it's just um it's it's just luck of the draw sometimes. So and what did what did you do in between after doing that test where you got all this great feedback? You know, storyboard pros are are like this looks great. Yeah, yeah. How do you pick yourself up and then continue on and keep grinding? Were you just you kind really of can't? I mean, you wallow in it a little bit, and then you just have to keep going because yeah. one, if you're like me, you got to still make money. You have to pay rent. Um, you have bills to pay, um, and two, you with the way things are on social media now, you have to keep grinding out work. You have to constantly keep sharing work because what another guy told me at um, what studio was he at? He's the director of Bento Box. Um, and he said, if you build a large enough following on social media, somebody will notice, um, if it's, you know, if it's based on your work, somebody will notice that. And like, uh, SpongeBob, they look for people on Instagram, they yeah, look for people true. with a large following and look at their stuff. So if you're not constantly generating work and putting it out there for people to see and kind of grow that following, they may not see you at all. And that was another thing that struck me is that the SpongeBob folks were talking about not being able to find good artists. And so they were looking for people on Instagram. Um, and meanwhile, Loudhouse is sending out 50 tests and, you know, not giving any feedback on them. So it's like, what, what are you guys doing over there? Like how, there's no consistency to it really. You, you don't know other than you have to keep doing the work. So you can't wallow in misery for too long.
So was it kind of the same process for the next three tests? You did them in a week, you got all the feedback? The next one was, um, the next one I remember was for a show on Netflix called, uh, what is it called, Big Mouth. Yeah. Big Mouth, which I had not seen either. And so um, I got an email from someone that said, hey, I heard you might be interested in testing for it. So I tested for it, but that one I had three days oh, wow. to test for it. And it was a similarly long sequence, but it was three days. So I spent the first like half a day learning the characters and the next couple of days just, <laughs> just grinding the thing out. Because again, I was still working. There wasn't long to do it. I think they sent it to me on a Wednesday and even it Friday or something like that. Um, and so I spent three days just grinding my way through this test and making donuts because I still got to make the donuts. So I was doing that both things and um, coming home, not even showering, just smelling like um, sugar and grease. <laughs> You're like drawing. Um, and that test didn't look as good because I didn't have as long. And there were there was a fight scene in the middle of it between the two characters. And I knew how I wanted it to look, but there just wasn't time. I mean, there was a point where I was sleeping two hours and just Oh man. So I sent them what I had. Yeah. And it was the same thing. I just didn't get any feedback. They went with somebody else. Um and I showed that test to a couple of pros who said, Yeah, you needed more poses in here for the fight sequence, but other than that, it it looks great. Um, but interesting me interestingly, another guy looked at it and said, Well, this part looks interesting but might be confusing and then this little thing here and um with the character shift might be confusing and um and then i showed it to another um director who said no i think they're just looking for stuff um it looks fine if you were all my crew this would be fine i would tell you to change this and this and yeah well when you have 50 options to choose from you're gonna go with the Gonna nitpick, yeah. You're gonna nitpick every single little thing, and then when you're on a production, probably you don't care that much. <laughs> That's another thing that, from what I've heard, your work has to be incredible to get in if nobody knows you. And yeah. then once you're in, but you also were in meeting people, so weren't you getting some inside scoops here and there? I was meeting people, but a lot of the people I was meeting were also looking for work. Oh yeah. So <laughs> like, you're meeting people that are also their first question is, "Have you tested anywhere yet?" Because because they're as desperate for work as you are or the jobs they're getting are like yeah i'm doing like i'm doing tweens on bojack horseman or something like they're just doing this drudgery work of animating and it's not their dream job and they're not sure how to get from there to their dream job or they end up um just kind of falling into a job that they're desperate for because they meet someone who happens to be a director on it hey we could use you on this yeah you but you can never plan for those chance meetings. You know, so you how know. big of a community of people looking to get into the industry is there? I think there's more people looking to get in than there are spaces for them. I don't know how big it is, but you know, when I would do animation industry or animation go classes, they would fill out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, there would be 30 people in each class. So there's hundreds of people out here that are just hungry. You know. Oh man, you should just start a uh, like a course and teach and you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> kind of like you know every every waiter and waitress is a actor wannabe. It's is it kind yeah, of like exactly. every, every person working in donuts is <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> so so at what point did you decide, you know, this isn't for me. I've had enough. I need to get back on track with something else. I think it was when I was talking to, um, I was talking to a couple of different people. I talked to an old director from like the fifties who worked on Tiny Toons. And he said, yeah, your stuff's great. We could, we would have loved to have you back in the nineties on Tiny Toons. Like I was like <laughs> 10. <laughs> so thanks. But he said, yeah, it's just not, it's not like it used to be anymore. And, um, and I talked to a guy who works at, I think he's at Bento Bus. And he said he had set a deadline for himself. He said there was a point where the industry had gone from traditional to digital. And he said, I just wasn't getting any work. I'd been at Disney and no work was coming in. So I set a deadline of a year. And if the work wasn't coming in, I was going to teach. He said, I was going to go to school for teaching. And um, I said, how'd you pick it? And he said, well, I needed to pay the rent. I had bills to pay, so I needed a job. I needed a real job, a career. And so if it wasn't gonna be animation, it was gonna be teaching, which is kind of where I'm at. I need a real job, like a career. Cause yeah. I can't, you know, I'm married. And um, I cannot keep chasing freelance work 
forever because my dad does that and he's always chasing work. I'm always like, when are you going to come out and see me? He's like, I don't want to be gone for a week. I might miss out on, on work. Oh, wow. Never work again. And that's what well, a that's lot the of lifestyle you wanted originally. It is what I wanted. But the older you get, the more you're like, gosh, I kind of just want some stability and to be able to take a few weeks off and not worry if work is going to come back. Because there was another guy I met who worked on Extreme Ghostbusters and Men in Black back in the late 90s and early 2000s, the cartoons. And he said, my parents were sick. And so he said, I had a choice. I could either keep doing this or go take care of my parents. He said, it wasn't really a choice. I had to take some time off to go take care of my parents. And he said, when I came back after a few months, I couldn't get work. And he said, from there, I never worked in the industry again. And since then, I've just kind of done whatever. And that was the saddest thing in the world to me. And I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I want to have a regular, um, somewhat creative job that I enjoy that maybe doesn't require as much constant hustle and um, worrying about, uh, where am I going to get the next job or, you know, where's the next you going to come from or um, are younger people that are fresh out of school going to take jobs that I wouldn't take because they pay less or they have longer hours, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so what if, that's, what if, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So what if somebody came to you right now and said, Oh, Aaron, you know, I heard about you from so-and-so back in LA and we have a full-time storyboard position on your favorite show teenage mutant ninja turtles uh can you come out tomorrow and work on it what would you if say they said can you come out tomorrow and work on it sure yeah if they said you mind testing for it i would say no nah, i don't want yeah. to do you it don't want to go through that anymore because it's it's like i have a portfolio and i've done jobs where they see my portfolio and they go man we love your stuff and the portfolio is great can you do this and the, this is always like drama or action. I'm like, I don't, I love cartoony cartoons. I like cartoony stuff. I like SpongeBob type stuff, you know. Um, action adventure is not my forte. I don't enjoy it. So I don't particularly want to work on those shows. Um, so one of the tests I did was for that. And I know the test was terrible because I just wasn't into it and I didn't have time and I didn't know what they wanted. So I sent them a test and I'm sure they looked at it and were just like, what is this? <laughs> because they didn't give me a script. They just said, can you give us some samples of some action storyboarding? Oh, I, I guess so. Um, but you guys want it Friday and it's Wednesday morning and I got to go make donuts for three days straight. So, I, okay. And I know they got the test back and we're like, this is not at all what we want. But, you know, I didn't... <laughs> You know what else to do? Like you don't want to say no. I don't. I'm not interested in sending you a test. You want to go after it, but uh, gosh. So if Nickelodeon came to me today and said, "Do you want to work on the next Ninja Turtles?" I would say, "Sure," as long as I don't have to take a test. What SpongeBob does now? They said if they like your work, they give you a freelance job, and if the freelance job doesn't come back great, they just don't ask you back. They say, "Thanks, we'll pay you for this." That's fair to me, because. You know, you're getting paid, and if they don't like the work, they, they're not out that much money, really, you know, a couple thousand bucks maybe, and they tried you out, and it, and it didn't work out. Um, but the whole unpaid work thing, the older I get, the less inclined I am to go to, like, Nickelodeon is Viacom, and they have millions of dollars, right? They shouldn't be giving this many people unpaid work just to kind of pick from their, you know, litter of unpaid jobs that they've given out. I, I just don't like it. So, so yeah, I would say, and it's the same thing for people that tell me, yeah, it took me seven years or eight years to break in. If you told me in one year, you will absolutely be working at like Warner Brothers or whatever, then I'd say, okay, I just got to wait a year and I'll have a job. But that's not necessarily true. You don't know. It could be a year. It could be two years. It could be three years. It could be four years. And I know my wife's like, look, dude, we've been out here for four years now. How much longer are you going to keep chasing these things before you get a real job? And and start, you know, um, living like <laughs> an adult again. Right. Well, yeah, you have to give up so much in order to pursue that. So let me yes. ask you this. How would you envision your life had changed if you got into the industry? I honestly don't know because my wife has said, you know, these shows you've tried out for, you never watch them. And I tried out for one show. I won't say the show because a friend of mine watched it and said, I hope you get a job, but this show is terrible. <laughs> it's, it's not funny. And I don't know why you're trying so hard because it's, it's 
completely flat and like there's no real artistry to it beyond the fact that it's a cartoon but there's no like he said you're you're trying this over the top work on the test and the show is not going to use any of it they're just it's completely flat and it looks cut and pasted you know right um so i i don't know how my life would be different other than maybe my own work would have more eyes on it just because i would have some legitimacy for having worked you know at, at warner brothers or wherever yeah so, so are you living back in florida now no, no, I'm still in LA because LA is great. LA is really cool. I mean, when there's not riots and uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and earthquakes and pandemics, when the plagues haven't hit, LA is no, cool. Literally everything is going on right now. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's beautiful outside. And Burbank is a beautiful little city and it's really cool. There's there's lots of cool stuff here and you meet cool people and, and it's, a, it's a fun place to live. So I we would still be in California, I think. It just maybe not right in the middle of like not right across from Warner Brothers but gotcha. so it sounds it sounds a little bit like you learned a lot about yourself and what you want out of life through this journey too you yeah, spent sure, four absolutely. years pursuing something that you thought would be I guess well it's why anybody pursues anything but for really fulfilling for your life right but it also well, you mentioned sacrifices and compromises so what are what are like the core values that you have now out of what you want out of a career and lifestyle that you are that I think of that I think Floyd Norman said it on his blog years ago. Floyd Norman is, I'm sure everyone knows who he is that's listening, but he's a well-known um, animator for Disney. He's worked for Disney for decades and he's done things for like Pixar and, and he's still kicking and um, he's a fantastic artist. And at some point he said, do you have a fire in your gut and a passion for storytelling or do you just have a little talent and want a cool job? And I think the older I get, the more I'm in the latter. Like I just kind of, have some talent and want to do something cool. I don't know that I have the fire and the passion that somebody younger might have that isn't kind of jaded and like, uh, I don't want to do another free test and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to work long hours. And did I think you, did you feel fire and passion when you were younger for something like that? Yeah. Well, I, when I got out of here, I was absolutely like, yeah, I could do this yeah. 40 hour test and then go make donuts for 10 hours a day. And well, four after, years could really break down anyone. <laughs> after a few years of it, you're like, God, I don't know where this is going. And, yeah. you know, hearing people say it took seven years to get where they wanted to go. I, I just don't, I don't think I have it in me to, to keep chasing something that I'm not. I feel like the wily e. Coyote at some point, like the road is not getting any closer. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry, get, getting back to those core values, I guess. Yeah. Uh, if you could just expand. I want to do the kind of art that makes me happy that I enjoy doing. I like to pick the jobs that I want that maybe don't pay as well. Um, and maybe they aren't as high profile, but they're jobs that I enjoy doing. I'm doing children's book illustration now that isn't for a huge client and doesn't pay a ton of money, but I enjoy doing the work and I like the people I'm working with. And, um, you know, the writer is a very nice guy and the editor is a very nice woman and, they're not like hard and fast on anything deadlines designs um anything you know i have some leeway with it it's fun to do and i do a ton of like commission work and logo design work and stuff like that tattoo design just fun stuff and that to me is more important now having fun with it and doing what i enjoy and i absolutely have a passion for that stuff and for my own personal work i mean i'll stay up until three four in the morning every night of the week doing that stuff because it's mine even if it's not paid it's mine and I enjoy doing it. So absolutely for the art side of it, I still have a huge passion for it. But, you know, I don't want to do um, the kind of work that I don't enjoy doing, I guess. And the pay doesn't matter as much anymore, as, as much as the work itself. Given um, that you spent four years pursuing storyboarding, looking back, is there anything that you would do differently or do over? Or do you have any regrets about how you pursued it or anything like that? Because it sounds like you regrets. ended up in a pretty nice place after all i think if i was younger um if you're 19 or 20 thinking like gosh maybe i don't know if i want to pursue this because i made a lot of safe decisions when i was like 20 21 you know i took a regular cubicle job i would go back that far and say pursue it then you know yeah. if you're 20 and you don't know or if you're 30 and you don't know or even if you're 35 and think gosh maybe i should do this you at least but have not 36 <laughs> yeah i mean you gotta try yeah you gotta give it a shot like i would the one thing that my wife said was like, if you don't try this, you're going to be like, God, if I had only tried it, I could have 
you have to know, am I good enough to do this? The answer might be no. It might be like, no, you're not quite good enough. But you have to at least give it a shot to see if you can make it happen. And so, you know, you have to decide if four years is long enough, if, if six years maybe for you, if nine years, I don't know. So there's people that have started their careers in their 40s and even in their 50s and done really well. Um, I'm just not the guy that's going to wait that long. You know. Do you, I don't know if I'm going to explain this right, but do you believe that if you're doing the thing you love, you can kind of like fall back into the world and everything will kind of come together? I don't know if that's necessarily true because I think the thing you love still has to enable you to live. So like if you're willing to make some compromises, to do the thing you love, yeah. then yeah, I think things will work out fine. But you have to figure out what's important. Would I rather travel and um, live someplace that I enjoy living or would I be okay? I was at a comic book show once and I talked to a girl who lived in a tiny apartment in the middle of nowhere that was like 400 bucks a month. Um, and she traveled and sold jewelry at shows and she was happy doing it. I don't know if I'd be happy in the middle of nowhere in a tiny place traveling to sell stuff at shows all the time. So you got to figure out what is it that I really want to do? Am I desperate to work for Disney to the point where that's all I want to do? I knew people that worked in the kitchens of Disney because they were so desperate to work at Disney. They worked there for years. They had gone to pastry school and spent years working in the kitchens at Disney. And finally, at some point decided, I can't do this anymore. I got to, I got to get out of Disney. It's, it's the, the bloom is off the rose or however the saying goes it's not fun for me anymore. And so yeah. they ended up at Voodoo Donut with me and <laughs> making donuts instead of, I worked with a literal Disney princess. She had been a princess at Disney, um, Disneyland and quit because it just, it wasn't her thing anymore. She had dreamt of it since she was a little girl and grew up to be this, I think she was Snow White. And you would look at her and say, wow, she looks like a Disney princess. Why is she back here making, making donuts with the rest of us? Because it just, at some point, the dream didn't match up with reality. And so, yeah. huh. so let me ask you this. Um, you, it sounds like you, sorry, you started off as a school teacher doing art and then you moved to LA to pursue storyboarding. And now you're doing kind of your own thing where you're doing book illustration and tattoo mm -hmm. design and freelance stuff like that. It yeah. kind of sounds like you're, the journey was kind of worth it, I guess, because you ended up in a, would you say that the state you're in now is? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm a far better artist now than I was four years ago. And I know more about myself and what I'm after now than I did four years ago. Before I moved out here, I thought I wanted one thing. And now, you know, I've taken classes. I've met, you know, great people. And um, I've gotten close enough to the industry to know which parts of it I don't like, I guess, and <laughs> which parts of it I do. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was absolutely worth it. I'm, I'm certainly better off as an artist and I'm a better illustrator now than I was then. I've learned a lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I didn't realize how much I enjoyed teaching until I stopped doing it and was pursuing something else. Over the past, gosh, six months before all the pandemic stuff, I started teaching again, just part-time, just, just for fun and forgot how much I really liked it. I mean, teaching is fun. Kids are fun. And they don't care as much if your drawing has charm or appeal. You just draw it and they, you know, they're impressed with anything. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely been worth the journey. It's, yeah, it's definitely been worth it. Nice. So I guess looking back, what would you say to somebody else who is pursuing something as serious as they can? You know, they're doing everything right on paper, but they're also meeting, like they're just butting their head against the wall with trying to get in. What would you tell that person? I mean, you, you've mentioned things like, um, you know, there's compromises you have to make and there's time yeah. compromises, like maybe it takes a couple more years, but what, what is, I guess, uh, something of encouragement or I don't know, just advice. Maybe it's not encouragement. Well, that you I, tell that person. I would say just because I've decided that I'm done with this after four years of pursuing it doesn't mean that everybody needs to be, you have to decide what your own time frame is and what your own needs are out of life. And I also think, um, that you have to remember it's not necessarily anything you're doing wrong. Like you could be doing everything right and are just not in the right place at the right time with the right set of circumstances. Yeah. So there could be a job opening that you're there for and you're ready, but somebody that this director worked with three years ago on a show walks in and needs work. Well, you're done. And that's not 
discrimination. It's not unfair. It's just they know this person. They don't know you. So, you know, you're, you're out of luck there, but that's not your fault. There's nothing you could have done about it. You can't really control anything but the work you're doing. You can't control um, the opportunities that come your way, and you can't control the jobs you miss out on. So I would say maybe it's not advice. Just remember that not everything is within your control, and not getting jobs is not your fault necessarily. Okay. And that not everybody's feedback is completely objective or right even some of it is just you know maybe they don't like you maybe they don't like your shirt maybe they don't like that you're um bald maybe they just don't like you and so um they don't like your work maybe there's nothing you could have done yeah. <laughs> to convince them that your stuff is good and i think then, it's interesting um, that you just said that because it's it's tough because art is so subjective yeah, it's tough it to know I guess, to build your own confidence in what you know is going to hit and not hit, I guess. Did you develop a really strong sense of that over the four years with storyboarding or your own art in a sense? I think, you know, I've developed a better sense for what works and what doesn't and for what makes a good storyboard, I think, and what, what reads as being clear and effective and what doesn't. So. Um, those things I don't think are subjective. I think those are pretty objective. But I think the things that are subjective, as far as whether your drawings are, I mean, I've heard that my drawings were too clean, and that's a subjective thing, I think. Um, or whether your drawings have charm and appeal, that one really stunned. That's subjective. But I think um, you also can't necessarily control those things. You kind of do the best work you can, and whether or not people respond to it positively isn't always up to you. It's up to them as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share kind of as we wrap up the chat or any other cool projects you're working on lately or you even know, just personal art or anything? I, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I'm always working on, so if you can find me on Instagram and see the stuff I'm working on. Um, and um, I think I would just say, if this is something you're really passionate about to just pursue it, until you're not passionate about it anymore and then find something else. This is just a job after all, it is a job. It's storyboarding for a studio is a job. And yeah. if you have stories you wanna tell, you can do that yourself. You don't need anybody to you know, approve your storyboards or pass a test or anything. You can tell your own stories. As Dave Klistek says in his classes, you could draw stick figures and they could tell an effective story. You, know? you don't need to work at a studio to tell stories. So I would say if, really storytelling is your passion then just do that don't worry about whether you're working in nickelodeon or or disney or wherever it is but if it's a job you want then pursue it until you just are worn out and don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> but you're right it is it is at the end of the day it's just a job right it's, it's, it's job, yeah. just, you're working for somebody else getting paid to do the thing and i think for a lot of people they start off with a hope that you know, because they know they have to get a job. If they could be doing something they love doing every single day, then it wouldn't feel so much like a job. But yeah. essentially everything becomes work at some <laughs> it's point. It's all a job. Yeah, it's all a job. <laughs> I mean, I've heard, you know, when you hang out with enough artists, older artists especially, you hear more, you hear more bitching about how much they didn't get paid for something yeah. than about the work they did. Like, you hear more like, yeah, I worked on that. They, they laid me off after six weeks. Or, <laughs> I mean... You hear more of that almost than the incredible storytelling. So it, at some point, it is just a job. And you have to remember that. You're pursuing a job. You can do it on your own all you want. And nobody can tell you what to do and what not to do. And if storytelling is your passion, then by all means, do it. Tell stories. But don't wait for somebody to hire you to tell yeah. stories. Well, is there, any, is there anything else you'd like to share as we wrap up? I think that's it. I think we covered everything. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the chat. I, for me, it was really interesting to have your perspective on things because you know of your whole journey of uh trying to get in as a storyboard artist and then kind of learning what you find is important along the way and and, and ending up in a good place anyways i think it's yeah. important to hear these stories because when i was you know working in my marketing business job and fantasizing about the animation industry and trying to figure out how right. these successful people became successful you don't hear you only hear their stories and their stories are just a couple sentences you know went to the school yeah became a director, now they're a millionaire. You don't hear <laughs> thousands and thousands of other stories like people like yourself. And I think yeah, they're just as important to hear. So Yeah, you gotta hear the other side. And it is really, it's, 
four years doesn't it doesn't seem that long afterwards, I guess. But at the time, it's it can be a long time. It really, can. well, time passes whether you like it or not. So you might exactly. as well spend it doing something you're passionate about. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on the chat. And um, if you're interested in getting in touch with Aaron or following his work, you can do so by checking him out on Facebook or going to his Instagram, which is Cartoonist Aaron. And I'm going to include both those links in the description of this chat. And that's all for now. So thanks so much for listening. Okay, bye. Oh,